McShane Bible Study, Day 8. We see in Genesis 8 that the flood begins to subside. Noah sends out the, the uh, raven, which doesn't come back. The dove, which does come back. Of course, dove makes you think of the uh, uh, baptism of Jesus, the dove coming down. We see when the, when the waters finally subside and, and Noah sees that the ground is dry, that uh, it's the first day of the year. And so, again, new beginnings. God is doing a new thing in mankind through Noah. And we see the chapter end with God making a covenant with Noah. So, again, there's multiple covenants. There's covenant with Adam, with Seth, now with Noah. You know, it'll go on with Abraham, with uh, David, with Solomon. I might be probably missing some. Isaac and Jacob. Um, So... God's continually refreshing his covenant. And in this time, he says, I will no longer curse or I will never again curse the ground because of man. So when Jesus says, you know, that our times, then times will be like the days of Noah. uh, It's not a physical flood he's talking about, but more the, the this overwhelming flood of difficulties on the earth, um, which we've seen begin already, uh, like the plagues of Egypt coming in waves. But simultaneously, God providing a way for his remnant people, just as he did in those instances. In Matthew 8, the first couple stories are about faith. They're different stories, but the thing they have in common is that the people have faith for for Jesus to transform their lives. In this case, it had to do with healing, but the principle is true for us in every area of life. If we want our lives to be transformed by God, we need to believe that he can and will do it and seek him for it, that we give him our life, that we're open and willing to be transformed, and then he will do it because that is his intention for us. As a matter of fact, that's what God is looking for. And that's what Jesus, when he's done with the centurion, that's kind of what he says. People will come from east and west, from far away, to recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into darkness. He says, those who just, uh, you know, you want to use my name, they want to claim the prize without actually giving themselves to the kingdom, they will be thrown out. They want the benefits without the life. And he says it doesn't work that way. But for those who come, they will even come from far away. They will come into my kingdom and be a part of my family. And then we see a couple stories about the cost. Somebody says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And he says, do you understand? I have nowhere to lay my head. He says, you're giving up everything. You will not know (laughs) what is What is to come of you? You will simply have to live by faith and trust in God. Are you, uh, my guess is by just looking at him, he he saw uh, into him that he he was not prepared for this. Somebody else says, let me go and bury my father. And he says, follow me, leave the dead to bury their own dead. He says, you're giving up of your old life in order to accept my life. Are you truly willing to do this? Or do you love your own life more than me? That is the cost. He gives overwhelming benefit. 
He establishes us, as he did Noah and his family, in a new Garden of Eden reality, in a, a new kingdom where we have every blessing in God. But in order to attain unto this, we have to be willing to give up everything. And then and then step by step, you know, that's a big picture. Oh, sure, I'm willing. But step by step, as he leads, <laughs> to truly step away from the world and open ourselves up to him and his way, his wisdom, his truth. His disciples didn't understand this. They were terrified when they were in the sea and he's sleeping. And he says, why do you have such little faith? And he calms the sea down because he literally is... <laughs> Uh, and the heir to the father who owns everything, made everything, controls everything. He says, why do you have such little faith? These things are subject to me. And when you come into this life, they will be subject to you. Not for every whim like a parlor trick, but as needed. The legion of demons and the men on the other side of the, of the lake of uh, Gadarnes uh, they knew full well who Jesus was and what his authority was. And so they're begging him to only cast them out in certain ways. So he sends them into the pigs and they rush into the water. And when the people of that region came to see the mighty power of God in a man, Jesus, they begged him to leave their region. They preferred their own lives rather than just waiting at the feet of the Lord. And we see in Ezra 8 that Ezra has to learn to live by faith. Because in those days, to travel a long distance was very dangerous. There are a lot of bandits that would steal your stuff, possibly kill you. And so he told the king, hey, God is with us. He wants us to you know, build this temple, to <laughs> build back his, his Jerusalem. And the king says, okay, well, I'll let you do it. So then Ezra says, well, I can't ask for protection. Now I just said, God will protect us. So then they have to make this travel uh, by prayer. So they, they fast, they pray, uh, and God is with them because God is doing it. And no one can stop God when he is about a matter. In Acts 8, remember Stephen had just been stoned to death with Saul or Paul, uh, overseeing and then now we a great persecution breaks out against the church the enemy rages and and Saul or Paul is is a big part going house to house dragging people out throwing them in prison but again God uses this for good so this is often the template that we go through difficulties in the Lord he never promised that our life would be easy he simply promised that we should be able to live in peace and joy in him, continually being refreshed by him, growing in him. But that doesn't mean we don't have difficulties in the world. And you saw that with, with these people. You know, they were, they were in Jerusalem, capital of the world, and they were quite happy there. But all of a sudden, they're scattered and spread out. And so Philip ends up in Samaria, and the gospel is preached all around that area. And then he encounters uh, Simon, the magician, and the people, he, he's kind of like a, a, a false prophet type because people go around saying this man is the power of God that is called great, and he would do mighty magic, and people saw it, and so they thought that he was amazing. And then Philip comes, and he's preaching the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, and he's baptizing men and women, people are believing, and then Simon himself believes but then we see Peter show up, 
Peter and John, and they, they're irritated by the guy. And they see that his heart is not right because they came to uh, pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. They had been baptized in water through Philip, but they had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John came to minister that to them. And Simon wanted that power for himself. And Peter saw that his heart was evil. He looked at, at these things as, uh, as trinkets to be traded. And he tells him he needs to repent. And we see this on later in the different epistles that it, it's common for people. And we see this with the whole world of uh, Islam. That's, that's what Muhammad did. Uh, we see that with uh, Mormonism where we grab hold of um, a truth of God because we say, well, people have tasted the truth of Jesus. And so if I'm going to convince them to go my way, and again, this might be spirits telling these people to do it more than they consciously do it. Either way, whether it's in the heart of man or a spirit guiding a man. Um, and and I'm, I'm named two really big pictures, but this happens in small ways all the time. That people, whether again, whether it's conscious or not, think, well, they have tasted the truth that is the life of Christ. They have a small taste of it. And so I'm not going to be able to get them to deny that. But I can just say I agree with that and then I'll add all sorts of lies to that that distort the truth and lead them away from that truth, even while saying I believe in that truth. And so that Peter saw that was somewhat in the heart of Simon. We see that is what has been a problem ever since. And we see that later in the, the late epistles, especially of John, but also of, of, of uh, Paul that uh, people begin to do that. And we know from church history, the Gnostics became a big thing after the Bible was closed up. And again, it's continued on to our day to day and even more so. There is only one way, one truth, one life, and that is in, by, and through Jesus. There are certainly ways to, that he orders us, changes us, ways to live in him, but he is the life. And ordering ourselves by any other thing uh, is wrong. And in different communities, we see in the scriptures, different communities can look a little differently in certain ways. But then there are certain truths that come straight from the Lord that cannot be changed. And then we see the mighty hand of God again in Philip's life, where he tells him, go down to this place. And he goes down on the road to Gaza. And there just so happens to be this Ethiopian, a high court official from Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, studying Isaiah. And he doesn't know what it means. And so Philip comes in and says, hey, this is talking about Jesus, the Messiah. And so he wants to be baptized right then and there. Only the power of God is able to do these connections. We have so many people going out trying to work so hard of their own will, of their own, by their own means to bring about the, the truth of God. Well, what was Philip doing? Giving his life to God and God was arranging the circumstances. He was trusting in God to do these things, not of his own power. And so we see the eunuch blessed. We assume he goes back to Ethiopia and is a blessing there to others. And then God teleports Philip straight away to somewhere else that he needs him. And so we see by living in faith in God, 
um, the, the people are blessed. He, you know, how, how much of a blessing was that to Philip to be teleported somewhere? <laughs> that to be amazing, right? But uh, he's simply living in faith in God. And that's kind of a theme for, for all these chapters that we just read. Uh, Jesus was, sent, was praying about it, remarking it's necessary for the healing he was doing. Noah lived by faith built an ark when it had never rained before so that his family was saved, he could repopulate the earth. And we see Ezra has faith to actually travel a very dangerous route with a lot of money on him. Uh, And he is kept safe by God. And then we see here Philip living by faith in the gospel of the kingdom spreading uh, through that faith. That's our lives that God needs a people willing to believe in him for things far bigger than we can even imagine and make ourselves available to him so that he can fulfill his original purpose for mankind in a generation. And that's it for today. The Lord bless you.